Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Paul? Yes. How do you use your difference to make a difference? I try to be a re I try to be a mirror on reality. I try to write things that I see. I don't try to shade them. I don't try to teach you. I don't want to moralize. I don't believe I'm any smarter than you. And I know I'm not any smarter than a lot of people, especially my students. I want you to read what I write and see reality in it and then bring what you see to it. That's how I try to do it when I'm not here personally. When I'm with you personally, I'm not about the books. I'm about talking to you. I'm about listening to you. I'm that guy when the old man starts to speak and tells the story from way back in the day, I'm the guy glued to him. I'm giving him the little prompts to keep on going. Because I realize what he has is important. I want to hear it. And it must be important if this person wants to share it with me. So when you have me in person, I try to be that listener and that person who can bring out what you're trying to say because I really want to hear it. And when you don't have me and you're just uh, in a library and see a book on the shelf, then I've got that other way to try to connect with you. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Paul, Paul the Pony. Paul is a prolific author, as you'll soon find out, but we are talking about a book he co-authored with Hannah Gracie. Hannah Gracie, as you find out, has a unique history with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And we talk about the path to writing the book, how the book came about, and the lessons that we can learn and translate from martial arts, Jiu-Jitsu, to life. The episode also dives into Paul's varied career as a teacher, as an author, as a writer, as a journalist. And I think for many of you who are thinking that you have to be one thing in life, you're going to find yourself inspired by how life gives you multiple opportunities to tap into skill sets that maybe you haven't been given enough shine. I hope that you get the book and I hope that you also do a deep dive into Paul as a person because he's written, I mean, 20 books at this point. So I hope that you enjoyed that. And I hope that this is just a, an episode that reminds you of how limitless you are. People like to tell you that you're limited. But remember, there is no one that can put a limit on yourself except you. So if you're doing that right now, please stop and remember your greatness. Enjoy the episode. 
Welcome everyone to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Paul Volponi. Now Paul Volponi is the award-winning author of 20 books including Phyllis George Shattering the Ceiling, a non-fiction biography and the novels The Final Four on the New York City Chancellor's reading list of NYC Reads 365. Top prospect, part of Scholastic's National Book Club and Black and White winner of the International Reading Association Children's Book Award. So he's pretty prolific. He's also the recipient of a dozen American Library Association honors. We're going to be talking primarily about his 19th book, which is called The 32 Principles Harnessing the Power of Jiu-Jitsu to Succeed in Business, Relationships, and Life, which he co-authored with Renner Gracie. But before yes, that, man. welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, it is great to see you. Now, his name is Henner. Because in, yeah. in Portuguese, the R comes as the H. See? Already yeah. corrected. I love it. So, Henner Gracie. Henner Gracie. Gracie. And Henner my co-author, Henner, is the grandson of, of Helio Gracie, who invented the art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, I was really, really lucky to work with someone as accomplished as Henner who's come from such a great tradition uh, to put the faith in me to work with him on something that he studied his entire life. Yeah. But today I'm going to let you in on a secret that either few people know or really no one has stopped to ask me. You see, though I'm a fairly decent, accomplished martial artist, I have never studied a lick of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, huh. a book that I wrote about. So I know you're thinking, well, Paul, how is that possible? How is it that this book has become a uh, hit three bestseller lists? It's currently number two at the Wall Street Journal. How is it possible, Paul, that you could have co-authored this book without having studied Brazilian jiu-jitsu yourself? And I'm going to give you a good answer because it's all about culture. First of all, I got to take my, my hat off to Henner and his brother who invented the 32 principles, who took the art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and pared it down to these 32 principles. They did it with such clarity that someone like myself who has not studied Brazilian jiu-jitsu could see their video series, which was the, which preceded the book. I could sit down and watch it. And they were so clear and so concise that I understood everything they were saying. Of course, my own martial arts background helped me plenty because all martial arts share something in common. They really share, you know, the foundation of balance, angles, and distance. And that was very prevalent in the 32 principles. So I, I got to take my hat off to them for putting me in a situation that I could do it. I also want to really thank my teacher, William Moy, here in New York City. Henner is based in California because even though I studied Kung Fu with him, very different, or at least different enough from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. William Moy was so focused on teaching me principles that when I saw the principles the Gracies had done, 
I was able to understand them, could close my eyes and could feel how what William had taught me was also there in what the Gracies were teaching. And the, the other reason I could do it is because, well, authors are kind of like chameleons. Send us into something, let us interview enough people and in a week and a half, we can we can almost pass ourselves off as, as experts, at least talking about something. So all of that came together to bring this book, which I've got so much pride in. And so many people, even though it's only been out for a week and a half, so many people have really loved it. And the numbers are really high of people who've acquired it. And I hope more libraries get it soon. Uh, this way, people who don't want to buy books can actually read this thing, get it for free at the public library, which is what I'm all about. You know, I think we did something really good here. I hope so, too. I mean, I, I was, I've been going through the book myself. And once again, the book is called The 32 Principles, Harnessing the Power of Jiu-Jitsu to Succeed in Business Relationships in Life. I, I got to ask you a question, though, because you I, I remember watching Henner. I've used Henner to teach in class a few times because his Shark Tank... Uh, uh, not audition is pitch rather was is something I used to teach for public speaking oftentimes and I, I liked how creative it was and you could see his martial arts in uh you know on display there as he was pitching everyone there and for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about you should just type in you know uh Henner Gracie R-E-N-E-R uh Gracie G-R-A-C-I-E and Shark Tank and I think you'll see it multiple places but I'm very curious, very dynamic personality, very engaging. Uh, I've watched his videos as well. How did how does that end up being a partnership with you? Because as you said, he's he and his brother created this, and then I guess, I'm assuming they brought you on. But what was that process like? Well, really interesting. When we finished the uh, biography on Phyllis George, and for those of you who don't know. Back in the 70s, Phyllis George was Miss America in 1970. It was a time when few women were in sports broadcasting. Nowadays, you watch an NFL game and almost every sideline reporter is a woman. But that was not the case in the 70s. When CBS brought Phyllis George onto their football telecast, they took a lot of flack for it. She marched up a steep hill to become the first woman broadcaster broadcasting football and a good friend of mine uh, a terrific writer Lenny Shulman the two of us together decided to write her biography hmm. and we had a great time it is really interesting to write somebody's biography and the things they did that mattered happened 50 years ago so it really isn't an easy task so we went the hard way to find people still alive and, and do that work and come up with something so wonderful on her. When we finished writing that book, Lenny and I looked at one another and said, hey, we're a pretty good team. We like doing this. Who are we gonna write another biography about? And we had a list of people. And for some reason, one of us put the Gracies on the list because they basically represented Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. And I said, well, Lenny, you know what? As we each call up these people, uh, I'll take the Gracies just because I've studied martial arts and probably my pitch to them would be a little more succinct than yours. And the Gracies uh, number that I came up with was Hanners. 
So I sent him an email and, and we talked briefly and he says, listen, I don't know that I'm interested in doing a biography on myself, but I've got this video series and it's the all time best video selling series in martial arts. So like a million dollars worth of product in three days. He said, I'd like to turn it into a book. I said, okay, let me see it. He sent me the link. I watched it and the dominoes fell in my head. I said, I know what to do with this. Mm. Not a book at the moment. Their information is amazing. His stories are great. Can we add his stories of his life, one for each principle? It'll be knockout. But I feel like I know what goes around that already to become a book. So I think he sensed the confidence in my voice. My agent loved the idea. Uh, pretty soon we were sitting in front of one of the major publishers, uh, Ben Bella Books, part of Penguin. I had worked for Penguin many times in the past. And uh, we had a deal and we were on our way. That's so fascinating to me because um, uh, regardless of what you think of, you know, Will Smith in general, and, you know, I, I think he's had a wonderful career full of lessons, right? Good and bad. His book it's the same sort of situation. You know, he, he, he had a, a lot of life. Like you, like you can imagine, everybody knows Will Smith at this point, but the, the author or the co-author of it was, it was a very different process, right? He had to write down the stories and he talked it out with, uh, with his co-author. And then um, it, it became this amazing bestseller. And I'm wondering how that process really is because a lot of people don't realize that, that there you know there are multiple ways for you to be an author many people in the audience always talk about how they want to write and how they want to essentially create content but sometimes you can reach out to existing people and collaborate with them mark manson by the way um is the was the one that collaborated with will smith on his book and i think it's, it's such a fascinating under talked about process well i i think that henry and i really had focused in that we were going to get a story from him to represent each principle in his life. Mm -hmm. And I was going to hear that story and I was going to take the elements of what he said. Uh, I was going to pare it down a little bit because every time he spoke to me about a story, it probably ran about 45 minutes and the book knocks it down to probably 1500 words, something you can read in about 14 minutes. Yeah. So it's condensed. It's the highlights. It's what I do. Bringing what you do <laughs> down to something focused and still very entertaining. Yeah. And I think it's great. You know, we were able to walk that line. There we were two perfect strangers to one another. Mm. And are telling me about his life. I certainly did not rewrite it, but I gave it a, a, a viewpoint that I thought he was trying to get across. And at a nine out of 10 of those, they ran the way I had interpreted it from him, which was really all him, just me going along for the ride, but throwing a rope around it, making it tighter. So we didn't have a problem with that at all. And one of the really great things about working with Henner was he gave me a lot of latitude in the rest of the book. The rest of the book, he said, go out there, see what you come up with. And it was my idea to start really interviewing people 
because my thought in this book was Hen is going to tell us what he believes. And that's fantastic. How many other people can I find people of renown, people we don't know who agree with it and who have also used those principles in their lives? Because then it amplifies Henner's thoughts. Yeah. He came up with the 32 principles. He says they work for princi- for everyone. And I'm going to prove to you that they do. And I've got some wonderful people in this book. First of all, we have Kayla Harrison, who's the only American to win gold medal at the Olympics in judo. She did it twice in a row. She has an incredible backstory. Uh, as a young lady, she was uh, abused by her coach. Yeah. And she told that story. She has a foundation. So a lot of what she said was about judo and the and the great uh, feelings in participating in judo. But there's always that point of, of she's out there to help people now become strong in these in these various pursuits, that, so people don't get taken advantage of. I was able to get uh, Peter Erskine, the great drummer for Weather Report. Uh, he gave me some great input on, on how a drummer kind of uses martial arts in his own way. Uh, from If you're a fan of Seinfeld, we have the soup Nazi, Larry Thomas, who is famous for saying, no soup for you in the show. Hmm. Uh, we've got him. So we've got a bunch of people giving kind of testimony in their own swing to it. Yeah, And it's really part of the glue of the book. And I got to hand it uh, to Henner. Henner, yeah. Because he didn't know he didn't know I was showing up with this. I kind of <laughs> whispered in his ear, hey, you know, just so you know, uh, tomorrow I'm, I'm interviewing the great pool player from England, Alison Fisher. She's won more pool titles than any of the men combined. He'd say, oh, okay, I'm sure you're going to make it work. <laughs> so he got out of my way. And I think between the two of us, we have the perfect collaboration here. We have a book focused on the 32 principles. We have a book focused on Henner's life, yet the scope of it is still wide because this book in actuality is written for someone who's never done any martial arts in their life, Hmm. may not want to do martial arts, may never want to set foot on a mat, But if they can read this book and see what the principles are, they can move them into their own lives and see how these principles reflect on the problems they're going through in their lives. And can these principles help them in that way? Yeah. Yeah. I think we've really accomplished that. And what I'm really proud of is I'm kind of one of those people because, again, I'm not a Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert. So... As I'm reading it and writing it, it, if it works for me, part of the target audience, I feel confident it's going to work for you. Yeah. Well, let's dive into those principles. I picked seven out of the 32 because uh, I just wanted to, to give the audience a primer. And okay. I wanted to give them, I wanted to whet their appetite just a bit. So, now, remember, I'm not an expert in the principles. Uh, that, that's that's I, I am a Johnny come lately here. <laughs> well, I look from the outside lens. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to have picked Henner's brain about the principles, but uh, you know, I'll do the best I can with you. Go ahead. No, that that's the point, right? So you you get to be the audience purview. This is how the audience will most likely take it as well, or a segment of the audience at least. So 
with the first one, the connection principle, what exactly do you believe is the lesson there in, in terms of business relationships in life? Well, I like it because, uh, you know, it's one I had contact with prior. When you can feel someone coming, when you can feel someone leaving physically, when you have your hand on them, you begin to know your own distance. You begin to know what's coming and what's not coming. Sometimes the first punch comes and you block it. You don't really have to worry about the second hand because there's no power in the second hand until the first hand retracts. Mm -hmm. You gain power in the second hand. So I really like the connection principle. I think you can use it in all parts of life. Was really lucky to find Maria, a blind judo player who was in the Paralympics. And she gave us a great interview on how, you know, studying judo has helped her with feeling the space in her life when she's walking down the street, when she's getting on and off the bus, having gone through judo helps her feel what's around her and what's not, what's the distance, what's the space. It's, she says it's really improved her quality of life. And so I like that connection principle. I think that's probably the one most people can identify with coming in. And I, and you know, uh, very well, it's principle number one. So I think it gives you a walk through the book. See, see, it told you, I mean, it, I, I was just very curious about that perspective, just because it, I think a lot of times when we look at what's happened in the recent, uh, you know, last few years, the last decade, essentially on a, on the spectrum, whether it's with life, with socioeconomic issues, with uh, economic issues, and a lot of people have, have had to deal with how to connect with themselves, with their passions, and with a greater purpose. And so, you know, I was reading that and I was thinking about how a lot of people currently feel disconnected today. And then, yeah, I was like, I got, I got to ask him, I got to ask Paul this question, if there's a particular practical lesson that he can share based on his interviews. So I, I, I'll, I'll take it and help you out. First of all, let me show the book cover of, <laughs> of, of the book that's made a three bestseller list in the last several days. Yeah, let's see. And I'll take you, since you're talking about connections, I'll take you to my book, Black and White. Mm. So Black and White's really part of the connection principle for me. For six years, I taught on Rikers Island, the world's biggest jail where I taught teens to read and write. All of those teens were stuck in jail, couldn't make bail, but obviously they need to go to school. They're not gonna let you out of jail to go to school and say, please come back tonight. So they bring school into you. Now, the reason I wrote this book and the reason it's called Black and White is really all about the connection principle. On Rikers Island, in the, in the six years I was there, by my loose count, I had about 5,000 different students, probably about only 15 out of 5,000. If we did the math, I think it comes out to one third of 1%. That's how many white kids are on Rikers Island, 15 out of 5,000 that I met. Everybody else, black, Hispanic. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Latino. And it's all about the justice system. It's all about who can afford bail, who can't. It's all about how they police the different neighborhoods. And I wrote this book in which two best friends, one black, one white, do the same crime at the exact same time. Even the white kid's the one who, who's holding the gun when it accidentally goes off. But they get a different treatment in court. You know, one of them makes it to Rikers Island, one of them doesn't. And that's all about the connection principle because I was there, I saw it, I felt it. When I'm walking down the street, no matter who you are, no matter who I am, especially in a city like New York City, nothing separates us. There's no fence that separates us. Yeah, we walk right. next to each other. What touches you touches me mm -hmm. because I'm so close to you. Yeah. So, you know, when I first wrote this book, I had a, I had a publisher say to me, Paul, I'm looking at your last name we tend to think you're Italian and probably not African-American yourself. Well, if you're not black, you can't write this book. I said, sure I can, because I've seen it, I've felt it, and I have a connection to it. That publisher passed, but Penguin took on this book. We won one of the Book of the Year awards. And my favorite thing in the world is the American Library Association liking the book Black and White, but have never, having never seen a picture of me Put me on a list of famous African-American authors. That's, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> that so, is lack of up, research right there. Up, upstairs <laughs> in my office, behind me, I have a frame. And in the frame is two things. First is the email from the company basically says, you can't write this book, you're not black. And underneath it is from American Library Association. Congratulations, you're a famous African-American author. They got me right next to James Baldwin. Yeah, I got look. I know that that speaks in a, an interesting way to a, a disconnection thing we have in this world here, because they could have connected <laughs> the dots there if they did the, the right amount of research. They, yeah, they have since taken me off the list, but I'm mighty proud to have ever hit the list to begin with. Yeah, but I, OK, I love that you're using this story you're juxtaposing that because I when I think of the word connect, that is my world, right? This is what I, I do, helping people connect effectively across cultures, help people connect to themselves, and also helping people connect to their emotions. A lot of uh, things that happen in, with diversity, equity, inclusion, or anti-racism, you know, th there's a lot of trauma related and, and sure. figuring out to unlearn certain things, whether it's through the system or through people. And the experience you brought up about those two friends is very similar. And I find that the more you start learning how to become aware right of triggers of emotions of whatever it is that drives you or drains you it is so important for people to be able to put a name to it and then to figure out how to build upon that right and that's a lot of what jiu-jitsu has been doing and and i i found as i was reading 32 principles as well because you start off with that connection principles then you go to the detachment idea of that and I thought that was such an interesting 
next step after connection because you're saying detach. So, what well, well Hannah told an amazing story about yeah. the uh, passing of his uh, beloved mom and how, you know, she was really ill and the family decided at some point, you know, the best thing would be to let her go. Mm -hmm. So I credit him for telling an incredible story like that. Yes. Yeah, but detachment means a lot of things for a lot of different people, depending on, you know, what the scope of it is. Uh, and yeah, it, it's a good follow to connection, to understand both sides of it, the yin and the yang. Pretty much, pretty much. And it's, um, I think it's also something very difficult, though, for people to do in an yeah. in, in, in instance. And so um, with as you were researching the story for this, because I know Henry's told that tragic and, and touching story, you on the outside, what were you thinking when you heard that principle? And how were you thinking to translate that to the lay people who were reading that? Well, you know, as a reporter, you always love it when the subject with you goes the extra mile, when the mm -hmm. subject goes beyond what you would tell somebody in an average conversation when they begin to really talk about the emotion uh you know it comes two ways it's the great giving between two people he's giving i'm receiving and then it's my turn to take it even though it's his right his story to tell in a sense you know i i get to ride shotgun on it because I get to streamline it a little bit and how it how it looks, you know, in the finality of a book. And, you know, you always have to feel grateful as a writer for those moments. Uh, I've interviewed in Hurricane Song about people stuck in Katrina, stuck in the Superdome. I interviewed hundreds of people who were there and you know, I love the way they came across and the honesty they had for me. Uh, also in game seven about people who have uh, escaped from Cuba. I saw uh, an image of a floating car and it was in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, you could see two people sitting on the roof and you knew there were more people in the car. Turned out that there were 11 people in that floating car. Man. And to sail a, a car the 90 miles from Cuba to the U.S. in the open ocean where any big wave can come through the open window and sink you. Uh, that's something that's really putting it all on the line. I didn't get it to interview those specific people because I wanted to isolate myself from their story because yeah. this is a novel. And, but what I did do was interview a lot of people here in New York City who escaped Cuban things, not quite as grandiose as a floating car. Yeah. You know, people who tied inner tubes together in, 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 in some instances and floated here the 90 miles. Yeah. So, That's you know, right. as a writer, as a reporter, I love it when the subject I'm working with really comes across the line and gives to you. And I, I think Hannah Gracie has done that for me uh, on so many occasions. Yeah. For me, for himself, and ultimately, he gives to the reader in that thing. He certainly does. Certainly does. And again, the link is going to be in the show notes, as well as uh, links to, uh, to Paul's other books as well. Uh, the, in life, we redirect. In martial arts, we redirect. In anything, business, we redirect. Relationships, redirect. There's a redirection principle here. 
Do you have any thoughts on that and what that looks like? Yeah, you know, I think the redirection principle is really important. Uh, so often the world comes at us with great force. And yeah, you can stand in front of that great force and, and, and take it head on. Uh, you might get knocked down. You might be injured uh, trying to withstand it. But I think that most people over the long run learn to give and take with this great force coming at them. They learn when to at least step halfway out of the way and stay connected to it, not to get too detached, not to come too connected, but to kind of redirect the force coming at them. Uh, that's part of jujitsu. It's basically part of all martial arts. Yes. Uh, a lot of martial arts talk about that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it seems really apropos for life as well. I love it. And I love how you, you, you are, I don't know if you were subtle with this, but you connected it to the first two principles, right? Not to get too connected, not to get too detached, but. That was total luck. Oh, it was total luck. Okay. You'll, you'll throw some other principle at me and I'll flounder. When <laughs> I do remember how neatly I handled this one. <laughs> but it, it, it is, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good segue because uh, the last principle I want to talk to you about is the last principle, which is the grand master principle. And it's the culmination of all these things. But what does a grand master look like in in your sense? I mean, you, you were you were working with Henner on this, and you heard you watched his videos. You heard him talk about that. You know what it you know he can tell you what it's like to be a black belt in jujitsu. But do we ever get to be black belts in life and business and relationships? Yeah, that's really interesting. And, <laughs> you, you know, what's here, I'm really proud of what's here because I think it's the right answer. And I, I think Henna had the right answer. Yes. I think all the teachers I've ever had had the right answer. This grand master principle doesn't mean you've stopped learning yourself. It means maybe you've gotten to a point where you're aware of the things around you. You're aware of some of the tools in your toolbox uh, in this book, through this jujitsu lens in which you can view life, but you never stop learning. You never stop because you're always connecting to someone new and they bring something new to the table. No matter who they are, they come as an individual and, you know, you mature as an individual. So it's going to be different for everyone. And I like the way we leave it at that because it just seems very true. It doesn't give anybody incredible, incredible false hopes or expectations that by the time they finish this book, they're going to be someone, you know, unstoppable. What they should be is someone aware of a few more things, someone who, uh, Henry and I, uh, not that he needs me, I, I mean, I, I'm just tagging along here, who can open your eyes and say, oh, why don't you consider this? Why don't you consider that? People who've had success have talked about this. Maybe you can consider it in your life as well. And I think people who can do that, people who can sense what's around them, people who can keep an open mind, people who continue to learn, whether it's, hey, how do I chop a tomato more effectively? I'm going to cook something. Or what about this jujitsu lens? I think people uh, who are open like that to learning get to that grandmaster stage and are, are constantly moving forward with it. 
you sly old fox ball. See? <laughs> uh, it's uh, inside joke. Uh, Volponi means sly old fox. I've learned from Paul. That's his yeah. last name. <laughs> um, I, I I think that's that's a fascinating approach. It, it, again, the link to the show notes. Uh, the link to the book is going to be in the show notes, rather. And it, it, you know everything Paul said is true. It's such a great mirror in life, and I find that in life there are multiple mirrors that exist if we open our you know, I guess, metaphorical eyes to it. And, and, and I think this is such a great playbook that you can use for your kids, for yourself, for your coworkers, your colleagues, and even in your, you know, one-on-one relationships with people, friends or, you know, or romantic. And, and I, I really loved how each principle was paired with a story and even anecdotes. And so it wasn't just uh, a, your typical self-help book, if you will. It, it, it was a, it, it was tested in a way. So I'll tell I'll tell you secret number two. What's the other secret? I have never read a self-help book. And, uh-huh. and I had some family members said, How are you gonna write this? You don't read self-help books. And I told them, that's why it's gonna be better than your average self-help book. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna fall into the traps that other people have used because I don't know what they are. <laughs> well, you know, they say that your book is designed to be a personal empowerment experience. So that that's how it's been described. It was when it was pitched to me, that's how it was described as well. So uh, I think you might have uh, hit the nail on the head there. Cause, uh, All right. That, I like that. <laughs> that was the description, personal empowerment uh, experience. I, I couldn't help but notice this with you. Couldn't, and I haven't talked to you now for about you know 30 minutes or so. I can see how influenced you are by, by uh, people in your life. You wrote that this book is dedicated to all my teachers, from classrooms to street corners, who proved to me that nothing comes easily unless you take self-direction, truly work for it. Why did you write that? Well, I don't think you can be a writer without taking a lot of self-direction. I was a teacher in New York City for 16 years, six on Rikers Island, the world's biggest jail, six in a day drug treatment center called Daytop. I do believe Daytop is the biggest treatment center in the world. Uh, I loved every moment of being a teacher. Uh, the kids on Rikers inspired me to begin to write. Uh, in becoming a writer, I didn't really have anyone in my life who was a writer that I could lean on and, and look to. So I had to go out and start investigating myself. I found people along the way who could be good teachers. When I became a reporter, I just got the job being a reporter. I had never interviewed anybody in my life. And there I was sitting in the press box of the biggest racetrack in the world. And even though I didn't know what I was doing, at least I was smart enough to know that. Hmm. I sat there with my mouth shut and I watched some of the best reporters around work for several weeks and started to borrow and use some of their things and started to make them my own. So, you know, I've done that. I've I've kept an eye open for the people who have given me a road in, the people who have given me some initial knowledge that I could start to build upon. And I always love to recognize them. Yeah, well said. You've brought up this concept of you being a writer. I mean, it's evidence in your body of work, 20 books at this point. What pieces of advice can you give aspiring writers right now, whether it's I, you know, traditional self-help or self-published or traditional or just people who are trying to get into the habit of actually translating the experiences into words. Yeah, I, I really like the idea 
that writers in the beginning shouldn't have this idea that, oh, I'm going to get this published. It's going to be a hit. If you start writing with the idea that you want to make your passion someone else's business proposition, that's always rough. If you're spending time writing, because basically for most people, you'll make more money working at Burger King than you will ever with your writing. And working at Burger King is a pretty good deal now. <laughs> Getting 15 bucks an hour. I'd like to go take a job at Burger King and work there for two weeks just to see what the experience is like. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think people fall into the writing trap. If you're a kid, if you're 10, 12 years old and you tell someone, I want to write, they'll put their arm around you. They'll say, that's great. What a fantastic idea. But if you're 45 and you tell people you want to write, they'll tell you you're a dreamer. You're out of your element. You're, you're, you're looking for something that's not going to be that. I find that so interesting. And I tell writers and people who are trying to get there, people who are searching for something, Make sure what you're looking for comes to you from your writing, not from some company wanting to publish your writing. That's not, that doesn't make you a writer. What makes you a writer is producing something that you believe in, that you can show your friends and family, even if it never winds up on a library shelf. To me, those stories are really important. Yeah, they're the ones worth telling. And yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of important stories, where can people find all your important stories? A public library. Public library, right? Public and, and library. Then... You can go to paulvolponybooks.com. Uh -huh. there, there, there is no link to buy a book. I'm not trying to sell you a book. If, if, if you like what's there, go to your public library. Pick it out for free. Uh, you know, they're my thoughts. Uh, several of my books are going to outlive me by at least 50 years, and that feels good. And by the way, I love every time, because I speak probably 150 times a year at schools across the country. I love when I walk into a school and either a teacher or a student walks up to me and says, so-and-so read your book. It was the first book they ever read cover to cover. Because when I was a kid, I pretended to read the books they gave me at school. I was a good reader, but I couldn't find anything I liked. So I would just walk around with the book, pretend I was reading it, listen in class to the classroom discussion, understand what happened in the book, and then I just parrot that back to pass the class. I really wasn't reading until one day I walked in the class and I pulled my friend aside and I said, last night I went to the movies. I saw James Bond 007. Oh, it was so cool. He had the fast car. He had the gun. He didn't even shoot the bad guy. He shot the gun out of the bad guy's hand. It was so cool. <laughs> My English teacher heard me saying that. Her name was Miss Sussman. She's the English teacher in black and white. I put her in the book as a thank you. She came up to me. She said, Paul, let me see you in the back of the room for a minute. And on the walk to the back of the room, I was saying to myself, man, I'm in trouble. I'm in English class talking about a movie I should have been talking about a book she's going to yell at me we got to the back of the room I hadn't even noticed it because I really wasn't a reader she had her own classroom library back there 
She reached up. She took out one book from the library. She handed to me, James Bond 007. She said, Paul, that movie you saw, before it was a movie, it was a book. If you like the movie so much, you should read the book. And I did. It was the first book, really, I had read cover to cover. And that at least began to change me a little bit. And uh, I'm really sure it had something to do to get where I am at the moment. What a story. What a story. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, we'll put the links in the show notes to, for you to purchase the books. But I have a final question. I ask all my guests this question. So, Paul? Yes. How do you use your difference to make a difference? I try to be a re I try to be a mirror on reality. I try to write things that I see. I don't try to shade them. I don't try to teach you. I don't want to moralize. I don't believe I'm any smarter than you. And I know I'm not any smarter than a lot of people, especially my students. I want you to read what I write and see reality in it and then bring what you see to it. That's how I try to do it when I'm not here personally. When I'm with you personally, I'm not about the books. I'm about talking to you. I'm about listening to you. I'm that guy when the old man starts to speak and tells the story from way back in the day, I'm the guy glued to him. I'm giving him the little prompts to keep on going. Because I realize what he has is important. I want to hear it. And it must be important if this person wants to share it with me. So when you have me in person, I try to be that listener and that person who can bring out what you're trying to say, because I really want to hear it. And when you don't have me and you're just uh, in a library and see a book on the shelf, then I've got that other way to try to connect with you. Wow. There you have it. Paul Volpone. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes. Thank uh, you for having me. It was great to spend time with you. Likewise. Likewise. This has been fun. This has been fun. Kings, Queens, and royalty. Till next time. Use your difference. All right. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.